On today's edition of Bench Bros, several moves were made at the NBA trade deadline. Are the 76ers about to implode? Who are the favorites to take it all halfway through? Will the XFL work? And are changes coming to the MLB postseason? All that more on Bench Bros. Let's go. Welcome to this edition of the Bench Bro Sports Podcast. We're glad you could join us today as we are a bunch of sports junkies debating about the hottest topics going around in the world of sports. I'm your host, Wesley Splain. Joining me today is Jordan Vitkowskis and Billy Lewis. What's happening, guys? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Not much, fellas. Just monitoring a bunch of college basketball. It's been a crazy slate the past month and a half. Ever since the NFL ended, I've <laughs> totally switched over to college basketball mode. Definitely something to keep you busy each night. It it definitely, and we got the XFL too. So like, there's still football around, but got that. You got pitchers and catchers reporting today. Baseball starting up again. Not like in full swing. I I won't care about that until Bartolo Colon signs (laughs) for the team. That's fair. He's got to show up. Just show up to any camp. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Maybe the guy shows up like on a horse or something. Him and Cespedes. I mean, the way the Mets are going right now, they should definitely bring that guy back. They don't have it. <laughs> have Bartolo Colon owned the team since the other guy like jumped out of the deal? Yeah, no, that sounds fair. Bring up team morale, fan morale. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, the Mets are just uh, downwards and like joining <laughs> the misery of New York City sports. Besides the Yankees, but it's crazy. <laughs> it, it stinks. So anyway, we had the NBA trade, de- uh, trade deadline pass last week, and we're approaching the All-Star game that's in Chicago. It's in Chicago this year, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. So there were a bunch of moves made. One of the biggest ones was Andre Iguodala finally suiting up for NBA team this season, going to Miami. Memphis and Miami made a bunch of deals, including Jay Crowder and then – um, on the other end of one was Dion Waiters and um, Justin Winslow. I think they cut Dion Waiters, and now he's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. But also James Johnson was in the deal, uh, Solomon Hill. And a bunch of other moves were made. D'Angelo Russell getting shipped off to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins going to Golden State. Kind of figured D'Angelo Russell was getting traded at some point in the season. Then a bunch of other moves. The 76ers added a couple of uh, bench shooters. And then Andre Drama got out of Detroit and went right back to another cruddy city in Cleveland. So uh, <laughs> good for him. But, um, Jordan, you are the basketball guy. I'm going to ask you, were there any big surprises of the NBA trade, de- trade deadline? I know it's been a week now, but got to ask you, since it's already been a week, these new players are with their new teams. How's everything kind of looking so far? Um, yeah, so, no, I mean, definitely one of the more interesting trade deadlines we've had in the last couple of years. Uh, you kind of brought up Iggy, um, was probably the best move going to Miami. He gives them, you know, some real defensive versatility, and he's been to five straight finals, so uh, you can't uh, discount that in the locker room. Um, and then you mentioned DeAndre Russell going to Minnesota. Um, it's a move Minnesota probably had to make because him and Carl Towns are best friends, so you want to keep your superstar happy. Um, but I also went and watched them lose by 11, and DeAndre Russell was not great in that game uh, in Minnesota, so they're probably going to be in for a lot of games where they give up a ton of points. 
but they might put some fans in the seats. Um, other than that, I mean, obviously, you know, me and looking at the Lakers, they didn't make any moves. Uh, they were waiting on Darren Collison to potentially come out of retirement, and he didn't. He actually said no uh, a, a day or two ago. So uh, their Lakers are kind of up the creek without a paddle right now. Um, kind of waiting to see. You mentioned Deion Waiters. Like, they might give him a look. They might give J.R. Smith a workout. Uh, oh, so God. they're kind of yeah, they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. <laughs> Um, but I mean, some of the teams, like I said, like, uh, uh, Miami and even, you know, Philadelphia trading for, uh, uh, Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson, the third from Golden State, uh, you know, making you know moves that they uh, think are going to put them over the top. So we'll see what happens the rest of the year. Hey, J.R. Smith could come back in the right time with that Hennessy contract coming in play at the all-star weekend. So it'll work out for him. <laughs> Billy, anything taking you, um, away? Uh, I'm not really... Didn't seem like much crazy things were happening. You know, I feel like everything's still gonna run through the Clippers in the West. Um, uh, the East is different. You got Milwaukee seemingly, you know, is up above the world right now. But saw so last year in the playoffs too. You can lock down Giannis, and all of a sudden they become very beatable. You just need the right matchups for him. Yeah, they're playing without Giannis right now, and they haven't been the same team. But they have been winning when he wasn't playing like early on in the year. But I don't get why everyone was hyping up that the Clippers traded for Marcus Morris. Me being a <laughs> sad Knicks fan, like he was just an okay player. And then his first game, he didn't really do anything for – he was just trying to fight Joel Embiid the whole time uh, last night. Yeah, he's he's not a bad pickup for them. But, uh, you know, he doesn't solve their issues. I was talking about this with some people the other day. The Clippers, even though they have you know guys like Lou Williams and Kawhi and Paul George who can dribble the ball, um, when Paul George and Kawhi are sitting, they don't have a lot of other creators. So they really would have been better suited trying to get another playmaker as opposed to another you know six more eight, like six, a nine point forward. Guard, you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're going to see that. I mean, Morris is you know he was kind of like a good stats, bad team guy at the Knicks, where he just had the freedom to shoot you know 17 times a game. But he's not going to have that with the Clippers. So we'll see. Um, what kind of value he can actually provide. Plus, they gave up a lot. I mean, they gave up first round, their last remaining first round pick. They gave up Mo Harkless, who was good. So they pretty yeah. much are going all in on a guy that, you know, probably isn't going to put them over the top. But like Bill said, I think they're still good enough in a seven game series that the West still goes through them. Just what the Knicks need another freaking draft pick. <laughs> Do you think they're sending Morris that way more for like locker room stuff? Just little leadership role, kind of been there, done that outside of Morris on the court? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be, I mean, he's been, you know, he was with uh, Boston for a couple of years and they obviously made it far in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's one of those, uh, I guess if you had to relate it to hockey, he's kind of one of those enforcers. I mean, you saw him get into it with Embiid. He can kind of do a lot of the dirty work and is going to stick up for his teammates. So I think he'll definitely earn some points there. Um, but I don't know how, like in the fourth quarter of, you know, game six of the Western conference finals, like is Doc Rivers going to go to him? Probably not. Um, which is going to beg the question, why would you give up a lot for him? But hopefully he does make that impact in the locker room, and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I would hope not, <laughs> rooting for the Lakers, but, uh, you know, you never know. It's it's going to be an interesting playoffs for sure. Well, that's what Patrick Beverly was for, was he not? Now you got two fighters. I, on he, yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, he is that guy. He's, he's scrappy. I think he pushes the line a little bit too much. Like, I honestly see Marcus Morris just, like, sticking up for his guys and himself. Um, you know, just being that enforcer type, like like I mentioned in hockey, whereas like Beverly, I mean, he's he's the reason Westbrook tore his uh, meniscus the one year in the playoffs, and then he almost did it to him again the next year. Like he really blurs oh, the yeah, line too so much. Yeah, so dirty. 
Yeah, that he blurs the line between you know being tough and being physical, and then playing too dangerous. Uh, so I'm I'm not a big fan of his, but you know I see why they have those guys on the team. If you're a fan of boxing, wouldn't you want to see that boxing match, Marcus Morris versus uh, Patrick Beverly? You know, maybe, oh, maybe those I mean, guys could go. Uh, Mar- Marcus Morris and his brother are not from the nicest area, so I'm going to take Marcus Morris in most fights, especially one against Embiid like last night. Uh, even though Embiid's taller, I, I was trying to tell people Marcus Morris will win that fight. Oh yeah, he, eight, he eight would destroy him. Yeah. <laughs> Good old scrappers. Well, I mean, look at the from judging from the tape with Joel Embiid and the Carl Anthony Towns fight. That was like a tussle. That was Marcus Morris would have like knocked him out if that was, you know, Marcus Morris instead of Carl Anthony Towns. Well, yeah, that's the thing is Embiid gets in a lot of scraps, you know, and you see it throughout the year. He likes to get tries to get in guys' heads and antagonize them and stuff. But uh, his first sport was soccer, so he's used to the more finesse aspect and the more flopping, selling it on the other opponent and just oh, trying yeah. to bait people into fouls. So I don't view him as much of a tough guy. Like when, you know, guys like Shaq and them back in the day, would they ticked off? I mean, Shaq was coming for your head. Uh, Embiid's got all the size and strength to do it, but I'm not really that worried about him. Yeah. Didn't Shaq chuck a basketball at, like, Charles Barkley's head. Yeah. Point. Yeah. They almost, they almost they tried to square up one game. Uh, he tried to swing on another guy, I think, on the Knicks at one point, and he missed. But man, if he would have connected, it could have been some serious damage. So. Oh, yeah. It would have, man. It would have been CTE in the NBA. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but I, I kind of look at the trade deadline. I think the Heat are kind of making the statement that they're in the win now mode. No one really expected much out of the Heat. They would have been like around the sixth seed. But I guess like Andrea Godal is a good piece for them. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, like I said, he's been to five straight finals. The guy knows how to be a winner on the court and in the locker room, uh, which is going to be huge. I mean, they, they have some guys on the team that have playoff experience. Jimmy Butler has been to uh, the playoffs, I think, you know, each of the last five or six years. But, um, you know, Iguodala has been there, played against, you know, the best teams in the world and, and succeeded. I mean, he's played LeBron you know, five years in a row, so. Um, you know, he's really looking to be a locker room presence for them for sure. I think it was a really good move. Plus, he has that NBA, uh, the finals MVP too. So that helps bring a little pedigree into the locker room, get yourself a little respect right in off the bat. Yeah, you can go yeah, stick him to like Giannis and he'll go. I, I mean, he's got fresh legs too. So that's a good thing. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Fresh legs during like April, May, and June, those grindy like playoff basketball kind of gets more physical and the refs kind of let stuff go which i'm in favor for that's how basketball should be all the time but they do it more and more as the playoffs go on like i think game six of the finals you barely saw any fouls called yeah and it gets more physical for sure i mean you saw that with Giannis and and Kawhi in the second round i mean they let uh excuse me in the conference finals they, i mean they you know let them get away with more stuff and you know the people are going to be a lot more physical and iggy's the perfect size i mean he's six eight two thirty yeah. and uh even though he hasn't been playing he's been working out and staying in you know just enough game shape where he can come in and still have fresh legs like you said for the rest of the year so that's going to be uh huge for those guys which kind of makes me nervous on the other side with the the Clippers and the Lakers. Because honestly, coming from a Lakers standpoint, I thought they would make a move for another guy that could, when AD and LeBron are out, someone who can handle it. You would think that would have been Kyle Kuzma. But Kyle Kuzma hasn't been that kind of player who can just 
come off and like score crazy amount of points and like carry the load. You know, I heard a lot of uh, winning basketball wasn't like a lot of these analysts say winning basketball wasn't his style of play. I mean, yeah, true. He's been on a cruddy team for a couple of years and then they just got, you know, the two best players in the country to go on their team. I, I don't know. I would have expected them to make some sort of move, but I guess they didn't have the capital to do that. It's kind of yeah. Early. I mean, they were they were they were looking at they were looking at Marcus Morris from the Knicks too. Um, but the Knicks were basically trying to get Kuzma, Danny Green, who's their best perimeter defender and best overall shooter, and I want to say uh, maybe like Avery Bradley and possibly a draft pick. So they were really trying to pull a lot out of the Lakers, and the Lakers just felt that they. Uh, couldn't pull the move. Um, I mean, I like Kuzma. He's, he's, you know, he can provide that third scoring punch when AD and LeBron are sitting or having off nights. Uh, I this, I think his biggest thing is just off the court. I just don't know if he takes it like fully serious. You know, committing to it as a, as a full lifestyle. I see him at a lot of, you know, events. He was at something yesterday for some clothing line and stuff like that. And it's just like you know, as much as uh, you know, I haven't always been LeBron's biggest fan over the years. Like the guy commits himself. He commits. A ton of time, money, and effort to his body, his game, like everything revolving around basketball. So, um, you know, Kuzma kind of needs to take the lead from from those guys. And you know, if he takes it a little more seriously, I think he could be, you know, a real big contributor. But you now they're on the clock. It's not like LeBron's got ten years left. You know, you don't know what happens with AD in the next couple of years as well. So they they're in win well, now mode. So this, he needs to, he needs summer, to grow fast. Honestly, the summer, honestly, because he's going to be a free agent. Yeah, I mean, all signs would point to him being, you know, coming back with a max deal. He's pretty good friends with LeBron, so I don't, I don't see anything happening. But you never know. Like you, you can't risk anything in today's day and age. These guys are pretty uh, quick to leave town when uh, they don't like something or something doesn't go exactly their way. So you got to do everything you can to keep the stars together. So I think winning though does hear a lot of that too. Because how much, how often is a ADX men to the playoffs, like just a handful of times. So just get in that, run, I, get in that taste in your mouth. All of a sudden, it's like, all right, give me success, give me more and more. I think he yeah. only went like twice. He had the run when they when they swept the Blazers in the first round. Wasn't that two years ago? Yeah, they swept the Blazers two years ago. He's been in the playoffs twice because two years ago when they swept the Blazers and lost to the like the Warriors, and then. 2014-15, the first Warriors title. Um, the Warriors beat him in the first round, and um, AD had you know two good series, but he's played only 13 playoff games. So, like Billy said, he hasn't had a, a real big taste of the playoffs. So, them doing well this year in the regular season, and obviously they're a lot to make it and go pretty far. I think will entice him to stick around. Well, you got you got Danny Green who just won the championship, so that's sort of some playoff experience and he's been around with the san antonio spurs that have been there and done that you know so he yeah knows, absolutely he's got he he's got a ton of experience yeah I, I love danny green i think danny green was probably other than obviously trading for ad he was easily their best uh you know free agent acquisition um you know that he's been great on both ends of the floor and as you mentioned he's got a lot of playoff experience so come playoff time he's going to be uh you know ready to go no matter what the situation is I would think they need to get LeBron in the ice tub by like the end of the season, like coming down the stretch if they're locking the playoffs. Just put him in that ice tub and let him rest up because he's probably going to need to play at least forty minutes in order for this Lakers team to avoid some of these like upsets. 
you know, the Jazz are playing super well. The Mavericks with Luka Dantich and Porzingis, they could provide an upset right there. Um, you got the Denver Nuggets. Who knows what that team's going to be like with the Joker down in the middle of the paint. So there's a lot of things that could happen in the Western Conference. There's a lot of sneaky teams. Oklahoma City is, like, starting to become a great team, and they're supposed to be in the rebuilding phase. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the West is going to be tough, even if it ends up being Clippers-Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. It's not going to be, you know, just a cakewalk there. The good news is, and I'm glad you brought it up, but, like, Russ and LeBron is – you know, I think they go hard after the All-Star break. They have some tough games. They have, you know, I think they have three straight against Philly, Milwaukee, and the Clippers. But once they get to April, uh, end of March and April, they finish up with, like, Cleveland, Washington. Um, they have Chicago in there, Minnesota twice, Golden State, uh, you know, Sacramento again, Phoenix to end the year. So they have a much lighter schedule to end the year with a lot of games at home against weak teams. That's where you might be able to pick your spots and, you know, sit him three or four or five games in the last, you know, 15 or so and try and, you know, just buy some extra rest for him. Uh, that way he's super fresh going to the playoffs. Billy, anything? <laughs> um, I think going back to the Iguodala trade, that's where it's really going to pay dividends because let's say the Heat get a chance to get through the East, then all of a sudden you have the West is just a complete dogfight getting through. So you have everybody's going to be scrappy, scrapped up. Um, and the Heat, if they can get through, they've got to get through – Milwaukee and Toronto, probably more or less. Maybe Philly, depending on what, how they get together. But then you can get uh, Miami coming through, being fresh, and really kind of be able to like exploit the competitiveness of the Western Conference. Yeah, I can. I, I've seen like someone go, "Oh, well, home field advantage is a big thing." I was like, "Well, they play in the same arena, so it's going to be all Laker fans, no matter what. If it's a Clippers Lakers showdown, so that's oh, yeah, not going to really affect anything." But, the, I mean, the Clippers have had the Lakers number this year. And the, I, generally, I think the Western Conference is a bit tougher with these sneaky teams. Like, I see more of a um, possibility where one of these big teams kind of sleeps on somebody and then they kind of get upset in, like, the first round. Because the Houston small ball thing is actually working for them, which is very shocking. I never thought that would work. But they could very well just, like – get hot and shoot a bunch of threes and you really can't stop it. I'm interested to see, though, how that kind of works out since that's still kind of new to them. That's why you can get that initial success. But after, like, teams kind of see their go-around with it, make their adjustments to it, I wonder if they can still kind of roll off with that success or if they're going to get slowed down a little bit and then exploit it down low. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice – I actually just wrote about the other day. I said, like, you know, it, it's going to work for a little bit. It's kind of like a gimmick thing. You know, it, I, I compared it to, um, like, a pitcher getting called up in baseball and, say, he throws, like, sidearm or has that, you know, three-quarter release, and he's, you know, unhittable for a couple weeks because teams haven't seen him, um, and it works. And then after a couple weeks or, you know, a couple months or so, teams have that film. They can scout the release point, scout everything with him, and all of a sudden he starts to get hit around a little bit. That's what's going to happen with the Rockets. They're going to win some games. They've won a couple already and some nice wins. They beat the Lakers and the Clippers, but um, you know, down the stretch, it, they can't. You can't not play somebody at center. I mean, Tucker's six seven, and he's being asked to do a lot. And I think it's going to wear him down. I think it's going to make him uh, more injury prone. And teams are going to figure out how to work around it. And they're just going to get you know out rebounded, which is huge in the playoffs. You got to be able to grab rebounds. Teams are going to offensive rebound well against them. 
And Houston does what they do every year, which is they are fun during regular season, and then they go cold from three in the playoffs. So I'm, you know, it was it's a nice idea. It's fun. Like I give them credit for trying, but uh, I fully expect them to be out. You know, probably round two. I think they I think they could win a first round matchup, um, just on the talent of Harden and Westbrook because Westbrook is playing really well. But uh, it'll it'll end in round two like it does every year. Not worried. Well, you got to think this is Mark D'Antoni and. Uh... Daryl Morey's like last year in Houston, so they're just like, eh, screw it, let's just play small and just shoot a bunch of threes and see if we can keep our jobs. I'm, I'm guessing that's how. Oh yeah, go. yeah. They they definitely you know one one or two of them may not be back. Um, and like I said, I give them complete credit for like trying it. It's different. Yeah, I think Daryl Morey is totally gone because of the whole China thing that kind of cost them billions of dollars. Well, if Daryl Morey wants to come, I mean, Daryl Morey, if he leaves the Rockets, should have plenty of offers to go be somewhere else because he's done every, every year his ability to be creative with like their salary cap with their trades draft picks i mean the moves he's been able to pull off year after year to keep them competitive when they probably should have been falling off by now is yeah. you know, remarkable so um, if he true. leaves if he leaves they'll have suitors but i give him credit because again him and d'antoni came up with this idea to, to stick with this small ball and you know they're gonna ride it until until uh, they can't know more so and that's even like during the prime Warriors dynasty years too that kept them kept the Rockets as like the main competitors, ones that were always tough to take into the wire. Because that was their window. Just the basketball smarts and everything like that. I said that was their window. I, I felt like that game seven when they went low for twenty two was like that's it for them. There's no way they come back from that. Like that's a big yeah, that could be a franchise backbreaker. That's tough. It's yeah, like I mean, Minnesota, like missing a bunch of field goals in order to get to the Super Bowl. That's like bad. <laughs> yeah, they, they. I definitely. I think that you're absolutely right. That was their window. Um, but I also think you look at basketball history. I mean, that stuff happens. I mean, look at all the teams that didn't make the finals in the West, in the East and or didn't win a title in the '90s because MJ and the Bulls just ran it. Like good teams that probably deserved at least a chance, and yeah. they just. Or Sacramento you know, against the Lakers that year. Thought that was never that was never gonna happen. They were never gonna happen. <laughs> never. Who knows, man? Speaking of the team that's about to implode, it's the 76ers. There's been a lot of drama lately with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Who's the star of the franchise? Who's not? Is the coach the right fit for this team? Is what is Al Horford? Where is he gone? There's a lot of stuff chaos going around the 76ers team. You just can't win on the road, but when they're at home, they're 25 and 2, which is remarkable. Guys, what do you think the problem is with the 76ers? Go ahead, Bill. You can go first. I mean, it's got to just come down to like mental toughness, especially when, like you said, they're 25 and 2 at home. And you get on the road, all of a sudden you're 9 and 19. That's just like absurd. Plus, you have Embiid like shushing the home crowd the other day against, was it Chicago? And I'm sure that's just Which Philly fans deserve. But yeah, no, that's probably fair. <laughs> but I mean, the fact that like you just got to be, you know, mentally tough team, especially when you have the talent that they have. And basketball is very talent driven league with, you know, the five on the court and whatnot. So it's like they just have to find some way to be mentally tougher, whether it be coaching or however the personnel decisions go. It's got to buckle down on that. Yeah, I mean, definitely, um, it's definitely a combination of that. And, I mean, they they made moves in free agency before the year started, signing out Horford, you know, deciding to not bring back J.J. Redick. And then, obviously, the Jimmy Butler thing, he kind of wanted to go to Miami, so they, they accommodated that. Um, and it, it cost them. I mean, Al Horford 
it's not their fault. He was you know pretty good with Boston during his run, but he's starting to break down, and it's also just an awkward fit. You know, him next to him beating Simmons, it's a lot of tall bodies, and that's what people thought the problem would be. There's too many. You know, they have a ton of length, and they're very good defensively, but they can't space the floor. Simmons and Embiid are their two best players, and I don't trust either of them from three-point range. And they don't have that guy that's just like, you know, on any given night, if they're struggling or in a rut offensively, uh, that can just be like, screw it, give me the ball, I'm going to make some plays. And that was their guy in Jimmy Butler, and he's gone. So they're they're really running into some issues. Um, I was team, I mean, (laughs) you can ask anybody, I was team trade Simmons for the last, like, two years. Dude, I'm with you. Didn't have a jumper. I'm with you. I was. I said that from last summer. I was like, they should go ahead and trade Simmons right now, and like try to trade with Memphis and get the number two pick and get John Morant or somebody. You could get a whole lot for Benson. We just saw Andre Drum, uh, Drummond, a big center, go for a ham sandwich and a couple of chips to the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> like, I don't know if you're gonna get much for Joel Embiid as much as people are saying. Like he's a big man. The game is stepping away from those big men. Yeah, I, and I mean, it's Embiid's tough because he's he's not in shape. He's never really been in shape, and he has the injury history. With it said, though, and with me saying that I was team trade Simmons last two years, I've done a complete one eighty on him. He is one of the three or four best defenders in the league. He's a great passer, and yes, I, I wish like crazy that he would get in the gym and just work on his jump shot and shoot more in the game because it would really help him and the team. But I think at this point, you're better off trying to dump Embiid and building around at least Simmons' skill set. You know, all you need is shooters. He'll do everything else on offense, on defense. He can guard the best player. He can create for everybody kind of like, a you know, he's like a that B version of a Magic Johnson where on the fast break, he's going to find somebody. Um, but they're they're in a tough situation. I mean, you saw Embiid had his issues with the fans, and you know, again, he he doesn't help himself. He doesn't. He tries to goof off too much. He's he's like Shaq in that regard. And but he's Shaq knew when it was time to dominate, and Embiid doesn't always know that. He's not in shape. Um, he plays himself into shape every year, and it causes him to have these injuries that keep popping up. And it's just kind of like a, a cycle that just keeps going and going and going. So they're in a they're in a weird situation. I don't. Think you know they could they could make it to the finals through all this, or they could lose in the first round. They have such a very weird ceiling and floor. I'm not really sure what's going to happen with them. I don't know if Brett Brown's the right coach. To be honest, Brett Brown is kind of trying to play how the Spurs did when he was with the Spurs, and this is not that kind of team. You know, they don't they don't have shooters like the Spurs did with Manu Ginobili and. Tony Parker could shoot the hell out of the ball. I, I just don't see that with the 76ers. I mean, they, they did get rid of their best shooter in J.J. Redick, and Jimmy Butler, too, was like their go-to guy, but he wanted to give us – I mean, trade MB to South Beach. Why not? Just go ahead and do that and see how many championships the Heat win with, you know, Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid and all those young core talent. I love the Heat. That Heat squad is great. Yeah, they are, they are, they're a fun squad to watch, and I think, you know, you're definitely right. I know a lot of you know friends that I have that are Philly fans are not real big on Brett Brown, and I think he's probably, you know, if they lose in the first or second round this year, I think he might be gone too um, just because I think he's, he's run his course. Um, yeah. You know, and, it, and it's, it's interesting. You say you look at two teams like Miami and Philly, both close in the standings, 
but very different style situations. You have all this drama and these issues and questions in Philly, and then you look at Miami, and they're a pretty well-oiled machine. Um, and that starts that starts at the top. It starts from their owner, who's really good, Mickey Harrison. They have Pat Riley as president, who knows how to get things done, and they have a really good coach in Spolstra. So from the top all the way to their players, they develop their players really well. They make the right moves in free agency at the trade deadline, and so that's why they're trending upwards, and Philly is kind of going in the opposite direction. Plus, the whole point of being an NBA basketball coach is making sure all your players mesh up well and they play fluently and smoothly. And the 76ers just been so hot and cold. I don't understand how you have a losing record on the road of nine and 19 against everybody that you've played on the road. There's some really bad squads that they've went on the road and lost to. Like I think they got blown out by the Atlanta Hawks a couple of weeks ago on the road that you shouldn't be able to do that. If you're a 76 er squad with all the talent <laughs> in the world, I mean, Ben Simmons has to develop a jump shot. I, I've said that, and it drives me nuts how like he's kind of sliding under the whole scrutiny and is kind of going on Joel Embiid and stuff. He's busy hanging out with the Jenners, you know, going to the Super Bowl suites and staying in Miami a couple days. You're an NBA player making million, about to make probably one of the biggest contracts ever in the NBA. Focus on your jump shot. Get it down. If you want to play in this league, you have to shoot now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he's got to just spend the entire summer just working on it because he's the thing is he's got everything else. He he is a great passer. He's a willing passer. He's improved. I mean, he he's probably second or third in the defensive player of the year conversation this year. So he's done everything he's needed to do on that end. The only thing he really has left to do is just you know figure out how to get comfortable with the shot. Yeah, he doesn't um, even shoot the ball. He just passes it. Like shoot it one time. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the difference between him and Giannis is like Giannis doesn't have a great shot either, but he spent time working on it and he's, you know, taking five or six threes a game, which is pulling defenders out. And then he's able to have, you know, better room driving in the lane. So he's done. That's that's the side effect of it. At least even if you work on it and you make yourself a tiny threat, it's going to, you know, give your team that much more room to operate. So they, he's got some work to do, and, and like you said, the Sixers are nine and nineteen. I mean, I'm just looking at the standings from the last couple of years, and you know, every team that's made the finals, um, uh, you know, or won the finals, uh, has had you know a good home record, but also a good road record. You got to be able to win games on the road. The only time that teams haven't is you know when the Cavs had LeBron that second stint, and they kind of coasted during the regular season. But oh, yeah. you know, you knew LeBron could yeah. turn it on in the playoffs. I don't know if the Sixers team can do it. No. No, especially with the way the East is setting up right now with uh, Victor Oladipo being back for the Pacers. That Pacers squad is, like, sneaky good. You got the Boston Celtics. They're they're pretty stacked. Kimba Walker's kind of – they're getting the injury bug here, but I think they'll be healthy enough by the time the playoffs start. You obviously got the Bucs. You got the Raptors. Who thought the Raptors would come back and be the top team in the East again with the loss of Kawhi Leonard? I think that's the story. I think they've won – 16 games in a row now? It's unbelievable. Um, right yeah, 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 they're, like they're 15. 15. Yeah, they've been great. But that's talking about, too, having a team that, you know, their coach wins coach of the year. All of a sudden you think, all right, that's you didn't get us as far as we need to do come the summertime when we get playoffs. Make a coaching change, and then sure, you get arguably the best player in the world to come in, win you a championship. But then this year, without him, you're still second in the Eastern Conference on that 15-game winning streak, looking to do the same exact thing. Well, they're right. They're down twelve right now at halftime against the Nets, so it might come to an end <laughs> right now against out of all teams, the Brooklyn Nets, who have been really disappointing this year. 
that's because of the Kyrie Irving. I'm not a Kyrie Irving fan, but who knows? Maybe it would have been different if he was with the Knicks, but we will never that's, see that. You're only left to wonder on that. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the one-year anniversary when ESPN tweeted out that uh, picture of Zion, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant wearing all Knicks jerseys. It's, it's sickening, man. Although that probably would have been like an okay squad at best because I feel like Kyrie Irving is just a locker room cancer wherever he goes. The, the Nets play great without him. It's tough, too, because last year, like, D'Angelo Russell thrived with the Nets with the, like, Kenny Atkinson system. So, like, Kyrie not being attached to KD, it's almost like would you have rather kept Russell and kind of keep rolling with what you had last year, try to keep getting better and better. But then you get, you know, put KD in the mix, and how can you say no to grabbing that talent? Even if you have to, don't forget about his burner account. He's still gonna yeah. have that burner account. <laughs> See, that's why I have to go to Brooklyn though, because you get the New York life with all without the entire limelight on you, so you can still kind of lay low a little bit. Oh no, there's still there's still light on you anyway. Everyone's going to the Barclays Center, and they're not paying seventy bucks in the nosebleeds to go see the Knicks. Are you kidding? Madison Gardens sells itself You go there for the building, not for the team Oh, it's a great building, no doubt about it But I'm not going there to watch a Knicks squad I mean, when I I was coming out of Penn Station one time Out of work, I saw a bunch of Suns fans I was like, what the hell is going on with all these The Knicks were playing the Suns And it was like all Suns fans You gotta be kidding me Like the Knicks atmosphere is totally gone No one's going Yet they're still the most valuable franchise in the NBA. It's so ridiculous. But anywho, we're coming up in the All Star break. Uh, what are your guys' finals right now? Ha- kind of halfway through the season. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm sticking with what I predicted at the beginning of the year, which I think I had Celtics. Or no, actually, I would change because I had Clippers, Sixers. I think at the beginning of the year. Um, just based on everything, but I would I would say the Bucks are probably the clear favorites in the East, and I, I still think it goes to the Clippers. As much as I'd like to see the Lakers make it, um, I'm not going to hold my breath over it. I think the Clippers in a seven game series is still too tough. So Clippers Bucks with the Clippers winning. Yeah, I want to disagree with you, but I think I'm right on the same page. I think the Bucks are going to take a huge step with Giannis this year too, after getting to the playoffs, doing so well, and then kind of having that take it out of you. So you want to get back up, get through that, so they'll reach the finals. And then, yeah, the Clippers are going to be, you know, Kawhi's going to lock down basically anybody you need him to. So I don't see – I really don't see where they don't make the finals unless, you know, injuries naturally. But I'd take that and probably Clippers in like six over the Bucks. Did you start that with, I want to disagree with you, but? What are you treating this like <laughs> but, first – he's treating this like I first take where we got to gotta have the opposite opinions. <laughs> But I have to agree. Skip, 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 (laughs) skip. Come on, skip. That's undisputed. Get your shows right, man. (laughs) It's all, they're all just a joke. They're all the same. (laughs) It's all the same. It's on TV. And then you got Colin Coward. Whatever. That guy. Anyway. He he might, him and Nick Wright, I think, are the worst. No, the one, the one guy that, uh, that Mendoza guy, that George Mendoza for Fox, he is absolutely terrible. He, uh, he, Colin sometimes has them on the show. Sometimes he's on Undisputed. And, like, he, he gets every single take wrong. It's very impressive what he does. <laughs> Honestly, he was like, the Raptors are going to trash this year. They're going to be in the lottery for the next 20 years. Yet they're number two in the East right now. You know? He said, you know, Pat Mahomes is one season wonder. And then, like, last week he was like, oh, Pat Mahomes is the greatest thing ever. Like, 
I can't believe how many <laughs> things he's gotten wrong. But anywho, I'll go with the Lakers and the Bucks. Why not? I kind of want to see that finals. I, I feel like that would be an awesome finals. I don't know that about makes the me happy. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I, I do want to see that. I feel like that would be an awesome, awesome finals with LeBron matching up with Giannis. I do worry about the Clippers, though, coming down the um, back stretch if they're going to be too rusty with all this rest and not really because they're relatively a new team. They don't really haven't played with each other. Paul George kind of like dims down in playoff time. A uh, couple here and there. When he was with the Pacers, he was great. But, you know, the OK, when he was with OKC, I felt like I didn't really get much of Paul George in the playoffs at all. I got more of Russell Westbrook and um, that one guy down the line. Man, I forget his dang name. The big guy. Uh, the dude from Pitt? What's his face? Steven Adams? Yeah, that dude. That dude's a man along with Zlatan. <laughs> the crazy part is uh, he's our age. He's 25. He, he's our age? Yeah. He looks like he's 30, 35, but he's uh, yeah. he just that mustache and that hair and you know the tattoos and everything just make him look older. But yeah, he's That's our probably age. probably what he looked like <laughs> in high school, to be honest. <laughs> he's like straight out of the uh, Dothraki tribe for Game of Thrones. They just popped him out there for a lot of basketball court. He's actually Jason Momoa's cousin. Like He was trying out for Aquaman to be Aquaman's brother, but he was like too tall for it. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we'll switch gears from the court over back to the turf field where the XFL kicked off um, this past weekend. D.C. defenders had a great turnout. I don't know why Vince McMahon thought it was a great idea to put the Guardians in MetLife Stadium, switch them over to the Red Bull Arena. You would have had a better turnout there. But MetLife's such a depressing stadium if it's not full. It's just gray. And it's just such a bland-looking place, too. It very much is. Because they're trying to be neutral with the Giants and Jets, but it looks terrible. There's nothing around the two. You're in the dump of the Meadowlands. you got cats running around. I don't get it. But, you know, the XFL has kicked off for the second time for another inaugural season. It seems like this is doing a lot better than the AAF is with attendance and hype around this time. Although Cardell Jones has been the leading, if you want to say, MVP of the XFL so far. But uh, Houston's got a team. They beat the L.A. Wildcats, and the L.A. Wildcats literally won game into the season, fired their defensive coordinator. So chaos already ensuing in the XFL. <laughs> Guys, what do you think? Is this league going to last, or are they going to run into problems like the AAF is? I think off the bat, it's going to be in a much better position just because I'll have the monetary like back backing of it, so you don't have to worry about you know not being able to pay your players and having that fold after like week six or whatever it was. Plus, the fact you have like you know Vince McMahon, so he's going to be the marketing guy. He knows what he's doing, and all in all, it was a pretty good product too that they put out over the weekend. So gets people excited. Everybody loves football, and you put a good game out there. People are going to show up. People are going to watch. I wouldn't say it was a. Good pro. I mean, there was one close game, and that was the, the first game. I mean, like the other games are kind of blowouts, to be honest. This, they got to change the St. Louis Battlehawks name. That just sounds so weird, and the uniforms look kind of weird. I don't know. The only team I dig is the New York Guardians because I think that's like the dopest logo and uniform combo there is in the XFL. DC Defenders looks too generic. Looks like a creative like man. They almost took their uniforms out of uh, like movies. Like the defenders kind of look like remember the Titans. Uh, the Roughnecks kind of look like Mean Machine from The Longest Yard. Oh, Roughnecks. <laughs> Can't believe they named that. <laughs> yeah. 
And it looks like the Oilers. You might as well just name them the Oilers. Yeah, they're basically just going like right off of that. Um, but I mean, it was. I, I definitely. I, I agree with Billy. Like the fact that they have like the financial backing is going to make it way different than the uh, you know American Alliance of Football or whatever that league was. Um, but I mean, I, I thought like you know, even though there weren't a lot of great games, I think it was just fun to have some football after the Super Bowl. I think it'll take them a couple weeks to get in like a rhythm, but. Um, they'll be fine. I mean, uh, I do love the kickoffs and the extra points. I think the kickoff idea is smart and it's safe. So guys aren't getting hurt, but it also allows for like almost every kick to be taken back, which is what we want to see. We don't want to see touchbacks. Like they're the most, that's the most boring thing in football is when everybody lines up and then the kicker just puts it 10 yards in the the end zone and nobody does anything for that. Kickoff rule would have saved my ACL in college. It it really would have. See that? See, yeah, we should go back in time and create the, the XFL, and we'll save your we'll save your ACL. Like save my knee, and I'll be able to play that season. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, like all serious, like it, it really did. Like the fact that they put the guys right next to each other, so it's almost like they're blocking on a normal play. It no does look coming. weird, though. It looks extremely weird. It looks like in a video game when like you're in practice mode and you just yeah. move everybody around. <laughs> but I'd love that. I think the extra point thing is fun. Now we're not seeing, you know, kicks after the touchdowns. You got, you know, what the one, two and three point attempts, which is different. Um, so that's cool. You know, it makes the scores radically different throughout the game. Um, and I think honestly, like the social media accounts have been really good. I think all the teams, um, you know, kind of planned out what they were going to do, how they were going to post. And they're just having fun. Like all their, all their posts are really fun. They're trying to get fans engaged and, um, you know, just kind of laughing at everything and enjoying their content. So that's been kind of fun yeah. to watch too. Yeah, they they put the teams in the right markets, in my opinion. I think that's the biggest thing. Go to a city that's going to support a team like that. Houston's got a great support in um, – they love football down in Texas. So like they put Dallas in the old, I think it's the old Texas Ranger stadium. Is that the old one or the new one? It looks like the old one. Great question. Cause that's opening this year, right? The new Texas Rangers ballpark. Yeah. It should be opening up mm-hmm. in the spring. Cause I know uh, they were having taken out like banner practice in it early on when it was getting built. So that was kind of cool to look at, but yeah. I mean, they put it in Seattle. They love football up there. They don't really have a winter sport, so they can like clamor on to this one for right now. They're about to get a hockey team, but they got LA's got like so many sports teams, so it's like, all right, whatever, come on in. Um, New York, great, DC, better than the Redskins. And people are like, oh, is Cardell Jones like the next Redskins QB? Like, I've, I've been seeing that around. I'm like, yo, slow it down, but. Anyway, yeah, I mean, the rules have been great. It just comes down to if it's not going to be a gimmick anymore. Because I think that's kind of what it was week one, that everyone was looking at this like with the new rules. Oh, it's like a gimmick. They're doing this now with the kickoff rule, which it looks it looks so weird just seeing the kicker 50 yards downfield from everyone else. <laughs> it, just, it just does give a weird vibe to it. But, yeah, I feel like they need a star player in there to – Bring in the Johnny Manziel. See, see if he can like thrive in the league. Or Tim Tebow, if he wants to still play football. I, I feel like go ahead and call Trent Richardson, who was having a great comeback in um, the AAF. You know, I feel like they have little names, and they don't really have big ones. Like Matt McGloin is not going to be the new league face of the XFL if it wants to survive. No. No, not at they all. They definitely need stars. People come out to watch names, that's for sure. 
Well, we did, and Wes, we did a thing with our fantasy league that Billy's and I are in, where we each picked a team for the XFL, and we put like ten bucks each, and whichever team wins the title gets the money. So it's completely Dude, random. That's it's awesome. Not- yeah, awesome. <laughs> and so like I was like watching. That's why we all had interest. So I have I ended up getting the Wildcats who did not. I so love high. seeing the gambling lines on the bottom. Yes, yes, oh, yes. yes that is cool. <laughs> um, that's a good well, aspect. We, I, I Although, so who I came up with like, the lines of nine and a half for every game? It was, it was so <laughs> terrible. Vegas, Vegas was not sure what to do. That was they, they don't usually get confused, but I think they were pretty. They just were like, we have no clue what these guys are going to do. The best was like the last game of the week, and the, I think the over under was like fifty two and a half, and the score was like seventeen to three or something like that. Yeah, like totally overshot it. It was a backdoor cover with the first game with the pick six of the DC defenders. <laughs> Everyone was raving about, oh, it's the backdoor cover. It was just like, <laughs> well, nine and a half is kind of ridiculous to be for an opening season. No, yeah, I that's, that's, the that's when you're just taking a stab. <laughs> right? They probably had player props already. It's just like, oh, this guy could throw 50 yards. Yeah, let's put it on. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, you're talking about like having like Johnny Manziel or like some of these other guys. Like, I mean, I watched, you know, bits and parts of all the games and there was, you know, there wasn't a single quarterback where I was like, oh, yeah, there's that guy's definitely better than somebody like a Johnny Manziel. Like, there's like six out of the eight that Johnny Manziel could definitely be on. You know, Cardell Jones is probably, you know, safe and same with Landry Jones, but like none of the other teams, I was like, wow, that quarterback is really dominating this game. So I'm a Johnny fan, so I would love to see him back, but we'll see. I don't, I don't really know what he's doing nowadays. Probably doing some podcasts. Everyone's doing podcasts now. <laughs> now hey, Philip Rivers, bring Philip Rivers into the XFL. Get him on the Tampa squad. Oh, Phil. <laughs> Take yeah, Tom Brady back to the NFL. Throw him on one team. He well, he's be, got uh, nine kids. He's it would be like, it would be like, what's that movie? Um, Cheaper by the Dozen when they have all the kids on the sideline. Except <laughs> Phil, Phil only has like nine, so like he's not quite there yet. Well, they, they do have to clean – I feel like there was way too many um, player interviews too. Like, it felt like they were interviewing a player or a coach literally right after every drive. I feel like they got to slow down with that. Like you had the one F-bomb with the – who interviews an offensive lineman? Yeah, <laughs> they, they, were, they were trying to throw something new out there, which I respect. Like, I thought it was a really unique idea. I do think they're going to walk a fine line though because I don't know how – like, they got away with the F-bomb and it was funny. But like they might catch somebody at the wrong time where they just go completely off, and it might turn, you know, it might turn the the whatever, yeah. Fox or CBS, whatever whoever station is on, they might get turned off by that. I think it's just uh, Fox so. and ESPN right now that have the contract deals, which kind of help it too. You know, ESPN being the worldwide leader in sports, giving it little publicity out there, it, it made all the highlights on like the morning shows and stuff. So it's it's good publicity that it's getting, but I feel like they need to add more names to the list. And I feel that the NFL with the free agency popping up, you'll see more players shift over to the XFL and be like, hey, maybe the grass is greener over there and I don't have to worry about if I'm going to get playing time. Well, the first, yeah. I mean, they already had a couple kickers struggle um, and I think they should have immediately replaced those kickers with uh, PFT because oh I, I watched his yeah. video. The guy, the guy is <laughs> almost automatic inside of 40. So... You can't have two t- kickers on the squad, though. Someone's got to kick them. Then cut them. Cut the guy. Yeah. Put PFT on. PFT, <laughs> PFT in that uniform with the goggles and the old school one bar helmet. And he actually is like a, he's like not a bad kicker at all. Like yeah. no, they're not going to attempt any field goals outside of forty. So let them let them nail everything inside of it. Put, the ratings. The ratings would. That's be another that thing. Game. Put a celebrity on a squad. 
Have someone that thinks they can play football. Put him on one of these teams. You know, that, be like, that'd be great. See Colin like, Howard like, take the brains at quarterback and see how track he feels. <laughs> split in half in 10 seconds. And have Baker sit in the studio with a microphone and trash Colin Coward <laughs> the next day. Oh, well, he'll be that one of those like, sideline reporters with the mic on hot all the time. <laughs> Go up right afterwards. Hey, Colin, what do you think about that hit? <laughs> they, I feel like they're in a creative mindset already with all these new these new rule changes. And I love the sky review and hearing the um, the guy in the booth reviewing the footage with the Xbox controller. I thought that was great. I thought like, loved the Xbox controller. Yeah. Loved it. People people thought that was just a gimmick. No, Pete. Um, back in Bloom, we used Xbox controllers to control um the footage and stuff. It's a good rewinding like remote. So that it's way, easy. It, everyone knows yeah. how to do it. <laughs> it's very easy yeah. with the joystick because you can go precisely back at the right time, frame by frame. Where a remote, you kind of like sometimes skip the whole clip. It, it's a really useful tool. I don't know sure. why people haven't used Xbox controllers more often, but anywho, yeah, I like hearing the refs. I like hearing the play calls, even though some of those coaches really don't belong as a football coach anyway. You see Tressman like making terrible calls already, <laughs> but anywho, it's a it's a good start for them. I feel like they need more um, stars in there, like I've said a million times probably right now, but. I think a guy like Andrew Luck would be somebody to look out for because his dad's the commissioner of it. So the Oliver Luck, yeah, yeah. Let him sit back, see how it's going. Side in a couple weeks, like, oh, you know what? I am feeling kind of healthy. I feel like I can throw the ball a little bit. I did expect a lot more teams to go for it more than I thought they would, but you didn't really see. You saw a lot of teams going for one and going for one. It just I can't wait to see a three point play. Yeah, that's gonna be exciting. I don't think anyone went for two or three. I think everyone was just going for one play. I think there was like a handful of twos, but yeah, the majority of them are still one point plays. But that's where you get a game on the line. You're down by you know down by eight points. You get a touchdown. You go for the win. You go for the tie. You could be down by nine and still in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Who knows? I want to see one of these overtime shootouts. I want to see how that works. Because I hate the NHL shootout already, but like just that it sounds terrible. Where it's like you got to convert out of five times, three of them, and then the other team gets a shot. It's just it sounds terrible. Yeah, I'm interested yeah. to see like what that actually looks like in practice. I mean, they're trying to obviously make it better than the overtime in the NFL, where it's just like you win the coin toss and you have a chance to to win the game without the other team touching it, which is one of the worst rules in sports, but I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. It'll I be interesting. Support that rule because it's like, all right, you guys are tired. Let's, let's end this right now. Like, let's get out of here. We got to pack our bags and go, you know, um, here. I, I just feel like that's better. I, I don't really mind the coin toss take the coin toss out and have the home team play defense. If you can't beat a team on the, like at home, then you shouldn't play in the playoffs. Sorry, I don't know. I like the overtime rule, but yeah. it's just tough too because it's been like so glaring because like the Chiefs Patriots like because it was such a big matchup in such a big game. That's why everyone was kind of well, the Chiefs out over it, stunk it up, allowing like three third down conversions. But yeah, oh, and, and the off the D Ford offsides or whatever too on that yeah. interception <laughs> that would ended it. Self inflicted wounds. <laughs> yep, that'll you know that'll that'll kill you. Does have college? I was like seventy-seven to sixty-five. 
Like, that's not a four. <laughs> that's fair. The NFL should go to something where, like, you get the ball just at the 20, like it's a touchback. You get your drive, see what you do. The other team gets a drive and just keep going like that until somebody wins. That way, everybody's going to get the ball. It's not crazy. It's not different type of football. It's just go. All right. Cool. Take, the, take the coin toss out. Have two players play 2K in, like, a two-minute match. Whoever wins <laughs> that gets the ball. There we Whatever. go. Have yeah. each quarterback have each quarterback stand on the on their own goal line, and they get two throws to throw it as far as they can to the oh, other side no, of the field. That's like cheat code with the Kansas City man. That's, that's right. Really that's right. Guess what? Game. Guess what? The Packers and the Chiefs are playing for overtime for every single game because they will win every <laughs> yeah. single time. Honestly, well, Aaron Rodgers would probably throw a pick, but who knows. All right, um, Billy, your sport. Well, I guess, Jordan, your sport, too, because you guys were both on club baseball. But uh, the MLB is starting off. You already mentioned about the pitchers and catchers showing up to camp. But there's uh, conferences going taking place about the MLB postseason, um, the changes that are coming. So they're trying to change the MLB postseason to allow seven teams. The first team in each league with the best record gets a bye. And then it's a pick em, essentially, like a selection show where the, the second division winner would pick whoever they want to play and so on and so forth. So forth. And then it's a three-game home series for the better team there. So the first round gets a bye while the three other matchups are going on. And then you will have your regular best of five, best of seven after that. And if I'm not wrong, did they say that the first round team would pick their opponent after that? Or... How, I believe the first round is going to pick their team after the wild card round. Yeah. So whoever wins that first, best of three, then, yeah, then they get picked. Which, hey, it's a, it's another gimmick. Speaking of gimmicks with the XFL, MLB is trying to get that young generation back into the sport because the best thing is the postseason in baseball. So what do you guys think of this postseason idea? Billy, uh, this is Billy. This is gonna be more up your alley. Um, so I'm just gonna get mine out of the way real quick because I have a pretty yeah. firm stance on it. I just gotta know why. I think they're just making this so complicated. They're just adding so many wrinkles to this that they think is gonna help the viewership. I don't think it's gonna help the players. Have already several of them have already voiced their displeasure on it. I'm trying. Like my head is spinning trying to read the article, just with all these selecting who and these series, best of three, best of five. I don't get why anything had to change, and I'm not a fan. That's all I got to say on that. Well, I kind of hate the one game, even though it's so exciting. I do kind of hate how it's a one game wild card and not a best of three. You know, it, like that's that's fine. Then you you can make it a best of three, but like now you got like you're adding. All these extra teams, like you don't need more teams in the playoffs. Like you know, after 162 games, which is already too long, you know yeah. who the best, you know, six, seven teams in the in the league are. You don't need to add an extra, you know, two or three, four teams, you know, total in there, and just you know make it even longer. Baseball is is a long sport, and it's fun. The playoffs are great, but it's a long journey to get from the beginning of the season to yeah. the end. You don't have to make it anymore. Extend the season to December so we can maybe get some snowball in there. Yeah, send them all down to send them all down to you know the Dominican and play there because it's the only place they're going to be able to play during you know December. Yeah, can you imagine like a Minnesota World Series like December first? No, I, I I can do one better a Minnesota and a Colorado Rockies World Series. <laughs> okay, well not neither of those teams, neither of those teams are going to the World Series in the next you know decade so nothing to worry about there. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like they they make it feel way too gimmicky. Um, if you want to try to attract the young crowd, like they say, just they're so strict on like trying to share their media on like Twitter and things like that, where just like the NBA does, just kind of let it share freely. That's how you get all your highlight clips. People get excited for it. People get to watch it more. It, like instead, you're trying to. I don't know. That's what, what makes the baseball playoffs great is like the exclusivity, exclusivity of it, where you only get the handful of teams that make it. So it's not like half the league. And then, like they're going to say they want to do it for the young interest, but really what they want is they want that pick'em show. That way you get the TV money. So, I mean, if they really want to do anything, make you can make the wild card round now a best of three. Have it go right after the season. Just kick that, kick that right into the playoffs. Like you don't need to have let the best team pick who they want to play. Let's see how the matches are going to work out. It's let the game take care of itself. Like yeah, I said, it's 162 games. That all plays out as it should at that point. There's no really gimmicks in it. No luck. No chance. It's best team goes. Well, personally, I think I've been a hater of the whole 162 games. I I totally think they should start the season in May, like the middle of May. Just like cut a whole month out because half the teams can't even play in April to begin with. So, um, but I kind I kind of like this. I don't like extending it to seven, maybe six. Like extend it to six, so that way you get um, ten teams from each league that get in. But or no, it's ten teams total that would get in. I, but like the selection show kind of sounds ridiculous. Can you imagine the bulletin board material if like let's say the Dodgers have to pick an opponent and they're like, oh yeah, we'll play the Mets. Bring them on, you know. Yeah. It's just like, and then the fourth guy that gets the pick is like, well, I guess we're playing you now. We have an option. And then the yeah, like the first they're, they're trying to make it. They're trying to make it reality TV. I mean, that's just yeah. you don't you don't. I I I get it. You want to make yeah. it more watchable, but like that's not going to do it. The you know, I definitely the older baseball audience, the the group, you know, the generation above us. Uh, I think they're going to really hate it because they're not going to know what this the is. Cards guys. Yeah, exactly. Like they're just gonna be like, "What the heck's going on? Why are they doing this?" And it just—I don't need reality TV. If I want that, the Kardashian reruns are on all the time. Like I'll take a look at them, but I don't—I don't, I don't I need this for baseball. Kardashian stuff, like any day. <laughs> <No. Yeah. laughs> but I do work at um. Since I work at NHL.com, we do share the building with MLB Network, and I hear conversations all the time about how like people hate this rule at the cafeteria and stuff, and. You know, baseball fans are like the least ones to change. Like that's the sport that doesn't change the most. You know, the NBA is changing all the time. The NFL's adapting rules. The NHL's changing too, with like addition to teams and how they do things over there. And you got the MLB that's just kind of stood their ground for forever. Yeah, yeah. baseball is like the biggest sport that probably has their traditionalists that don't like things changing on yeah that, that's the word traditionalist a lot of traditionalists in baseball but at the time the traditionalists are gone i mean baseball has been on the decline for a long time when it comes to the young generation trying to get into the sport it's, yeah you have to make the game more accessible to like to the kids whether it be sharing the highlights or get with the time you can't just go out and play you know, one-on-one with baseball, like you can in basketball or something like that. Yeah, There's no one likes to pitch and catch anymore. Kind of sucks. Yep. Everyone's thrown out. You need to kind of embrace wiffle ball, have, show the kids the fun in that. And everyone, like, they're bad flipping and all that stuff, bring the excitement back to it, really try to 
Like the game will sell itself if you let it. I'm trying to step in and do everything else with it, you're just gonna you're gonna like alienate your current audience and the guys you're trying to get to just they're not gonna come anyway. So all you're doing is just putting a real gap in what your game is trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like if they do if that selection show gets um approved and everything goes through flying colors, I think seven teams is too much. Like six teams is good. If you have like the worst division, because there's only three divisions. If you have the worst division winner, go ahead and play a wild card team, and then the other two wild cards play each other. Like that's fine. But I don't see like why you have to give the second division winner in there, and like they have to pick who they play. Like, that sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Not only that, all the games would be at home for them, so the other team doesn't even get a home game out of this. Right? Yeah, I guess they're trying to stay travel and everything, but. I don't know. It just sounds too kind of quirky that way. I, I do want to say one thing because I was thinking about it today, and I, I don't want to make this – it's not a first-take thing where I just come out and spew random crap and exaggerate. <laughs> but I don't think I'm wrong. I think with everything that has happened in the last 10 years of baseball, where so you're looking at continued st- – not as many, but continued steroid issues. You still see guys getting suspended. I've seen an, NT, or, you know, an uptick in – um, the domestic violence. You've seen Ardolis Chapman in some other situations. You've now had the Astros with one of the biggest cheating scandals we've seen, and there's still more details that are coming out now. Um, Wait on the Red Sox, man. <laughs> yeah, the Red, exactly. The Red Sox will be out there too, and I'm sure there'll be some other teams. And now you have whatever the heck that they're trying to do here to basically distract us from the Astros situation. I'm hard-pressed to find... One of the four major sports have a rougher decade, or at least ten-year stretch than than baseballs have right now. I mean, their viewership's down every year, their attendance is down every year, and they're adding. You know, they're having this scandal with the Astros, and now this is probably going to be a ratings fiasco um, for them. Will be with their new changes. So I, I think that they're just a mess. I think it's a mess from the top up, and I mean, I would say Manfred's probably got to go at this point. Uh, well, did you see what Trevor Bauer said? He like ripped into him. Trevor Bauer, yeah, and, and, and that's bad. That's bad when one of your when one of your employees is saying that because that's essentially when you think about it. Trevor Bauer is an employee of the Major League Baseball, and at the tippy top, the biggest boss is you know Rob Manfred. So when one of your employees is out there publicly, you know, saying something that harsh, I mean, that's that. What does that tell you? That has to tell you something. Yeah, he already threw a ball over the center field wall when he was getting pulled out of the game. Can you imagine what he would do now? Like, crazy. Trevor Bauer is like a character, though. Is he with Cincinnati? Yeah, he'll die in Cincinnati. Like, his career will be done over there. But I, I guess it's good publicity that they've been in the news all the time. I mean, Super Bowl week, they were in the news. The baseball was bad publicity news, but it was still like, hey, you're talking about baseball in February. Right. Usually, you have that you have that dead period from like January when you have the biggest raging sign, and then you're not going to hear about it again until you get like pitchers and catchers. Outside of that, it's just all NBA football. Does really that. anybody talk about pitchers and catchers though? I, I think I just say that's the first time you hear baseball again mentioned is when they start reporting. It's like, all right, now we're getting the spring training is about to come up. They report for vacation. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair. Stuff we have to get down to Florida or Arizona to go do your job, but. They probably have like 10 pitches, and they're like, all right, let's go shoot 18 over at this golf course. I want to see how this goes. 
Uh, so what you guys said that I mean, as, as much as I think it's annoying, you know, there's always that saying among you know celebrities and, and big organizations that you know no publicity is bad publicity, um, or bad publicity is still you know good publicity because it's still like it's still publicity for your brand. So um, you know, the, I'm sure that's how the MLB is spinning it for themselves. But I'm sure you can you know find some insight for us at the uh, MLB cafeteria there. Oh yeah, yeah, they've been they've been hot about it. And, you know, the demographic is still like your traditionalist, like a general MLB baseball fan that you think of in your 40s. Yeah, that's all that. Baseball is trying to do like out of the box things with being more social and like the whole mantra of let the kids play. I think it's a good thing that their slogan is that. I mean, they just changed, I think, the pitching rule where a pitcher has to be in for three batters now which is going to be interesting with managers to see what kind of managing techniques that they use. I think that rule just got passed. So Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be put in place for this upcoming season. That's going to be very unique, you know, because you can't do what the Royals did and just, like, keep rotating your pitchers and then making the game six hours long and then eventually beating the Mets in 12 innings. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's going to make bullpen a lot tougher now because you actually have to be able to get multiple batters out instead of just being like the lefty specialist, if yeah. you will. So I guess I do. I do off- I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I was going to say like, I mean, I, you know, this is one of those things. I don't know how it's going to play out until I see it play out. So I really can't, you know, be like, Oh, this is terrible. or Oh, this is good. I will say though, I am always on the side of, you know, if you're a professional pitcher in the pros, you should be able to get more than one guy out or you should be able to get out both sides of the plate, like not be a, just a specialist. So I do like that it is going to force these guys to become more complete pitchers. Um, but we'll see how it works in, in real time. I mean, I'm sure we'll get a lot of it, you know, the first couple weeks of the year. So I guess we'll probably know by May or June if it's going to be effective or not. But just it's interesting. Yeah, yeah the first I- couple of weeks will probably be a big talking point. But then after that, like in a month, then you'll probably just forget it was even a rule. Yeah, I kind of want to see how the rule the the rule works with like switching innings and stuff. Because like, imagine like putting a pitcher in the eighth inning and he's only faced two batters. I'm pretty then, sure the end of the inning lets you kind of reset to throw in a new guy. Because imagine you want to put your closer yeah. in at the top of the ninth, but like you can't because you have to keep that pitcher in for another. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Like, no. Yeah, that would get start getting guys that have to get like six out saves try to face six batters just make sure you can get them in both times that would get kind of funky that's everybody trying to think yeah, about the strategy just, of the game just looking at the rule quick it so you got to face the minimum of three batters but it does say the new rules allow for a lefty or righty specialist to get one person out if it is the final out of the inning otherwise relievers will have to face three batters at a minimum so the reggie jackson rule <laughs> pretty much <laughs> It's, it's pretty much what it was. The Royals did that a lot too. I keep bringing them up because it felt like every single pitcher they went to the freaking inning in that World Series. Yeah, they got them two World Series, let them win one. So worked for a while. Wait, when did? They, oh yeah, they beat the Giant or the Giants beat them. I forgot about that World Series. Yeah, Madison Bumgarner beat them in seven games the year before, and then they came. Oh yeah, them. that guy was unbelievable. He, he was a freak at that point. He signed somewhere, didn't he? Arizona. Arizona. The Arizona was good at the end of the season. They could be a good team. Yeah, because I think they were a playoff, a wild card team two years ago. I want to say so. They could be a good rebound caliber yeah. team too. I mean, th- if they do pass this rule, it kind of gives like that Cinderella spark back in it. You know, if if like you give one team a shot, like I think the Mets would have been in the postseason and like 
if they would have matched up with I, I forget, the Cardinals, it's like, hey, we have a shot to you know go to the World Series, even though it's been an up and down year for us. I feel like that would, it would be like a March Madness kind of special to it. Yeah, because the Mets, as they are right now, with like with their pitching staff, if they would get able to get in, like a chance like that, yeah. they'd be a tough out. They'd be a team that could make noise just because they have all those arms. It could be like the Nationals, but with an extra round added to it, and no one really believed in them. Yeah, no, absolutely. It could be like that. The Mets, the Mets would be like the Nationals last year, except the Nationals never beat themselves, and the Mets always beat themselves. So <laughs> that's that's what that would turn into. Yeah, the Met, the Mets are the one team that trips over every hurdle in like the hundred meter hurdle race. <laughs> the best analogy I can give about that franchise. There you go. Like, I mean, how, how many other teams have like a selling point or a team sale just completely go downhill out of like nowhere because for an owner, like it's ridiculous. And this team was in the World yeah. Series like six years ago. <laughs> Which is still mind-boggling. And they only got to the World Series because of that. If you remember, Wilmer Flores was supposed to be traded for Carlos Gomez, and that like ended up getting backtracked or whatnot. So they, oh, they yeah. kind of backed their way to get Cespedes to carry themselves into the World Series. That wasn't um, – Cologne was on that. That's why they got to the World Series. What am I thinking? But yeah. Cologne was on that team. Yeah, he became a stud out of the bullpen in the playoffs. <laughs> Hitting home runs, eating burritos. He was living life there. Nobody did it better. Although Queens doesn't have the best burritos, I would say that. But I'm sure he had his good spots. Probably. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, that is all the time we have for today. We thank you for joining us. If you have any suggestions or comments going forward, give us a message, leave us a comment, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at BenchBros2019. Keep you up to date on every headline throughout the week on those pages. We are available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you can find podcasts available. Again, thank you for listening. Um, Jordan and um, Billy, any last thoughts? Where can people find your material, especially Billy with your blogging? So go ahead. You can find me on Twitter at SportsBilly967. Um, blogging for owners at eyesonisles.com, as well as for the Yankees at nutsandboltsports.com. All right, Jordan. Yeah, um, perfect. Yeah, uh, I'm with Billy. I'm over on, at nutsandboltsports.com, doing a lot of NBA content. And then on Twitter, you can find me at lower underscore Marion 33. Um, So, yeah, hit me up for any sports takes. All right. You can totally go over to Nuts and Bolts and check out their content, even though the Islanders are – I hate the Islanders because they blew out the Caps (laughs) the other night. But go Caps. That's frustrating. Uh, We need a goaltender. What the hell is going on here? All right. Now I'm Wesley Splain. You can find me on Twitter at SplainIt. And you can keep up to date on the NHL videos on the NHL YouTube page where I publish videos uh, every monthly of the best overtimes and the best sellers. Right, so thank you for listening. We hope you join us next time on Bench Bros. We out. Bye.